Hi, this is Robin Fitzgerald, and here's my story I'm sharing on the Trep Life podcast. Let's stay connected. Follow me on social media. On Instagram, I'm RobinElizabeth.13, and on Facebook, I'm Robin Elizabeth. I hope I inspire you today, and remember, dreams over doubt. Hey. Robin, do we have you on? Yes, it's working. Great, finally. I just want everyone to know that Anchor has been having unusually high technical difficulties lately. Uh, I've kind of expressed that to you throughout the podcast, but it's really been pretty brutal. Robin has been a trooper throughout the process. We've tried to record this episode, I think, what, this is our third time trying to record it? Yeah. Yeah, no worries at all. I'm excited. Definitely. So, Robin, can you just introduce yourself to the uh, Trep Life audience? Sure. I am Robin Fitzgerald. Um, I'm an actor, writer, director, producer, um, and I've had a few different careers before moving to L.A. Okay. Well, let's start there. Um, can you tell us about your, your background? Like, who were you in high school? We'll start there. Who was I in high school? Um, I was the class clown. Um, I, yeah, I was definitely silly. I, I liked to go to school for like the social aspect. Like I just like to like connect with my friends and I wasn't super extroverted. I would say like, I was just like, I had like my friends, like my people that like, I would like to like, make jokes or like send them like little like silly notes during class that would like make them laugh or you know that kind of thing um I was a cheerleader in high school but I definitely wasn't like the stereotypical like 80s movie cheerleader (laughs) what drew you into cheerleading pardon me what drew you into cheerleading what drew me in um I guess so. My older sister was a cheerleader, but really, I think that it was performing. Okay. Did Did you do singing and acting? No. Musicals or anything in high school? No, right? Nope, just cheerleading. Um, I think I would have loved to explore like improv or probably even acting, and I just didn't. I didn't really have the confidence to do it when I was younger. And I think I just thought like it wasn't, it wouldn't be something that I could ever do for a career. It just seemed like unrealistic. Like I didn't have the confidence for it. And also um, I grew up in a called Schaumburg, which is a suburb in Chicago. Yes. And I'm all too familiar. <laughs> and um, I don't know. It just was like very much kind of like, you know, you're a, you're you're in education or maybe finance or you know what I mean? it's just kind of like the typical I think what is it the three jobs that most people go to school for out here I think are education like you said has to be number one I think like half of the girls like well maybe not half but like a good 30 percent of the girls no joke that I graduated high school with have gone on to become teachers um yeah. Then I think it's like you said, finance, or may- maybe just we can broaden that out to business. Somebody just mm-hmm. 
And then the third maybe is do we want to go engineering maybe? Yeah, I yep, I could see that. Yep. Uh yeah, I Where are some other ones. I'm trying to think. Like government, like maybe like police. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. You know, or like um, you know, firefighter. Are you from Schaumburg too? I'm not from Schaumburg. I'm from Palatine, actually. (gasps) Right next District Two Eleven. District Two Eleven. So right next door. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're all in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Had a lot of friends from Schaumburg and Hoffman and the like, and where where else? Actually, who did you guys hang out with when you were in? What other schools did you hang out with? Because I feel like it changes now. Conant and Hoffman. Conant and Hoffman mostly. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to a Catholic um, grade school, like okay. until eighth grade. So some of my friends, like it, everyone kind of went to Schomburg, Hoffman or Conant mostly. And a couple people went on to like Catholic high school. But okay. so it was like, you know, when I would stay in touch with them as well, it was kind of like. They were the Conant and Hoffman people. <laughs> so did you like football games or did you, for cheerleading, did you really just like the competition aspect of it? I liked more of the competition aspect of it. I definitely liked performing. Um, football games were, I didn't really like football. I will be so honest. I still don't like football. <laughs> 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 um it was fun again, like just just the way, like you know, um, the way that I was and like the way that I am. I did. I like to like you know hang out and like be silly with my friends and like be social was part of what I like to go and do as right. well. Um, but it was cold and I didn't really like football. I I liked basketball well, more and basketball something that I'll watch on TV. Basketball is my favorite sport too. You know, right? It's just everyone thinks I played football, but I I've always played basketball. That's always been my sport. I've never played football that's really cool and I don't know why it's just more engaging for me to watch I'm not I don't know but it's it's just more I I just like it better this is like going to sound bad it sounds like such a stereotype but I always go back to the movie bring it on where (laughs) they talk about football and how games are just like an extra practice to us it's really about the competition yeah but I heard that's actually, like, accurate, though. That was, like, a part of it that was, like, accurate to cheerleading. I feel like most cheerleaders feel like that. Yeah. I, yep. I mean, it just it just kind of was. And I don't know. It's just how it was. I'm just not really a football person. It, that was another thing that was, like, not, like, hard and, like, not really fitting in in Chicago. It was, like, that's such a huge thing, especially in the fall. The Everyone Bears. Everyone is talking about, exactly. Everyone's talking about the Bears. Everyone's getting together to like, you know, to drink and have food and all of that to like watch the games. And I'm like, oh, go and be social. But yeah, not really a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've kind of talked about the careers and the trajectory of people in this area, the northwest suburbs of Chicago. So how was college for you and how did you get into your first career since you've had multiple careers? Um, yeah, college for me was, 
I liked it. I would say it was pretty fun. I think it was, I went to undergraduate at um, Southern Illinois University, Carbondale. Okay. SIU? Um, pardon me? We, SIU? I think you're the second yeah, guest yeah. that we've had on from SIU. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, shout out to SIU. Yeah. Um, I... I, I mean, I enjoyed, I think it was my first real sense of like freedom, obviously too, like being out on my own and, you know, kind of, uh, getting to like explore and like learn like who I am and meet different kinds of people. Um, in terms of notice how I never talk about academics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. So. Um, in terms of academics, it was honestly, it was easy. I mean, so, I mean, I would say like at Schomburg high school and I will be so, I will be so honest with you. I was like a very average student at Schomburg high school. I, like I said, I wasn't super focused on academics. So I think, I mean, you know, like BC average, um, and then uh, I went to Southern Illinois Carbondale and it was just, it was just easier. So here I was able to like, kind of go to class, not go to class, mostly get A's, you know, it just was, it was an easier experience uh, for me. Um, academically. That's actually a trend though. Yeah. That if you're like a BC student in high school, that you'll do better and college because you're not being like micromanaged oh interesting yeah that makes sense so, like usually a students are the ones that struggle the most and it's not okay. academically wise it's because of that new sense of freedom and the socialize the socialization aspect of it all okay of that transition yeah weirdly enough interest that is interesting i also didn't know if it was like my choice of school too Oh, yeah, I guess it kind of does have that frat, but they have a lot of good programs, though, too. I'm sure, and I'm sure it's gotten, um, yeah, no, I, I, I believe that. Um, but yeah, that's so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I decided to major in social work um, because I just, I always had a knack for kind of also being that kind of go-to person for, like, advice for friends and family, um, and I, I liked helping people. I mean, I still do. Um, so that was also, uh, part of something that I ended up choosing and I'm, I'm glad that I did. Um, and so then to continue on that path, you have to get your master's degree toward the end of my, um, uh, time at SIU, I was ready for like the next sense of kind of like adventure, like bigger. Um, and so I, I ended up, did I say NYU? That's where I went next at the end of SIU. At the end of SIU. So SIU, you got your undergrad, then you yes. went to NYU for your master's because in, really in social work, like you stated, you absolutely have to have your master's mm -hmm. or else it's your master's is really the equivalent to your bachelor's, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The opportunities that you're given with the social work and undergrad degree are like very minimal. Exactly. Very weird, actually how they structure that it doesn't make a lot of sense right I know it's like or could you just pack more things in the bachelor's degree but it's okay yeah. it worked it worked out for me I had an amazing experience at NYU just being able to like I mean I, I really did just grow up in Schaumburg SIU was my first experience being away from home and that's a smaller you know rural um you know experience so then uh being like 
able to experience um, Manhattan and New York City and meet all kinds of new people and um, have an internship in the Bronx. Um, that was all, all an amazing experience. And actually at my graduation, fun fact, the Rolling Stones were announcing, this is like 2007, this is a while ago, they okay. were announcing their last tour <laughs> at Lincoln Square when we uh, were, Lincoln Center, when we were, uh, it was our graduation ceremony. So we were like, yay, we got to see the Rolling Stones and have like a beer before we went in for our ceremony. But it was just funny, they were announcing their last tour, which they're still touring to this day. But Yes, they're never going to stop touring. Right. <laughs> um, but anyhow, um, sorry, so I maybe I got sidetracked. So yeah, so then I went to NYU, loved it there. I don't know if you have any questions about that. I kind of just no, you're good. You're good. You're, we're just talking and flowing. But yeah, so NYU, you get your master's um, and you have that experience. What was um, and your the experience of being in an NYC? You kind of elaborated on that for us. But actually, like a master's program, how does that differ uh, from the undergrad program in terms of its rigor and structure? Yeah. Uh, yes, it was definitely more rigorous. Um, the structure, the structure was, I, I would say, similar, like in terms of, um, you know, creating your own schedule, being able to select uh, some of like the core classes that you needed to take for the degree, but then you can kind of like take some electives here and there. I remember taking a feminist theories class that I really loved, and that was like an elective um, but the rigor, it was definitely, I mean, there were just more pa- like longer papers that were due. Um, it just required like more time and more focus. Um, and then I had my internship on top of the classes. So that was, I think like three days a week, um, from, you know, maybe like eight to three I think it was like full time and then I would it was my first experience like seeing students because it was in a school in the Bronx and being able to sit with them and then I had a supervisor who would walk me through um, like transference and counter transference and all this stuff was brand new to me and then I got to run like my first groups with students so that was really cool it was just like the feeling of like uh new and excitement and also being able to connect with these kids and also my first experience with like wow like I'm connecting with them and like you know I was always able to separate myself professionally but at the same time like I would really feel sad like I would feel for them for their lives like I had a student that I mean a lot of them were just um, very low income they came from like all over the city Um, and some of them didn't have great relationships with their parents. And one of the students I remember saying, like, when I told him, like, you know, at the end of this year, I am actually going back to Chicago. Um, and he was like, what is Chicago like? Like, um, like, can I, and I think he ended up, I think asking or saying something indirectly that was like, can I go there? And it like broke my heart. Like, yeah. So that was a part of the experience too. I had to like, learn how to separate yeah and it was like I felt like I was pretty good at separating but that was definitely you know having my first experience with that and learning like to 
uh, re-examine it with my supervisor too. Like, is there, is there a way to kind of set boundaries? And he's like, it seems like you're mostly setting boundaries. You have to like, just be clear. And I was like, you can't come back to Chicago with me, but you know, we can try to like keep in touch, like through email. And even that is sometimes like a, a personal choice on whether or not you, you choose to like maintain that contact. But anyhow, it was, um, it was a great experience overall in many ways. Um, and then I, it really connected me with that population. And I continued, like, even when I went back to Chicago, um, I worked in a suburb called Country Club Hills. And I worked yep. with a similar, you know, like at-risk youth population. Um, but this was students who, um, it was called, I think they still call it alternative school, because it seems like such a, or like um yeah, it was called an alternative school. So basically, this... I think they still call it alternative school. Okay. Yeah. So... I actually have a friend in social work. She actually got her master's as well, um, and and I have another friend who's in social work, and she's getting her master's currently. Um, I think she's supposed to finish up this year or next year or something like that. But they, uh, they, my friend who's has her master's, she's currently working in an alternative school. Or she was recently, something like that. Okay. Wow, I yeah. can't believe, yeah. They still call it yeah. alternative school. You, but... Yeah. You would think that they could, eh, I don't know. Yeah. So... When they decide to change terms and stuff like that, I don't know how that process works, but yeah. Yeah, so, and I, I'm sure you've talked with them about their experiences too and heard, you know, some, some things about it, but it, it was just my connected with them and realized like, wow, there are just so many resources that they don't have access to. And a lot of times like in society, you know, we just want, or people just want to think, or I don't know if they want to, but they think like that, you know, these, these students, or even when they they become adults who have cyclic community uh, problems that they're like making these choices. And it's like, not really, like, this is really the cycle of their life. To an extent, there are choices. And so you have to work with them on that. But it's also, um, it's, it, it's also like lack of resources and just the way that things are structured. Does that, do you know? Yeah, no, I absolutely know what you're saying. Um, so throughout this process, when you're connecting with students and you're really trying to serve them to the best of your abilities, right? do you feel kind of hopeless in a sense or that you're restricted or walk us through that process? Yeah. Um, some, I mean, sometimes like internally I, I would just, but it, but I would not let that show to them. Like it was just like about empowering them and letting them know that like they always have choices within uh, what's happening in their environment Um, so basically we would just, I would, and, and train the other staff, um, to kind of look at what their, their obstacles are. And so a lot of them, it's starting with the very basics of like giving them employable skills. Okay. So what does that look like? So it's, it's teaching them, um, sometimes like we would take the students then out on like field trips to get like, uh, an ID, uh, like a a state ID, Um, helping them get the resources for um, like learning basic like rules of the road and and those kinds of things so that they could take their test. 
um, to get their driver's license, um, uh, teaching them like uh, dress, like a, appropriate dress, like even when they go into a place to like fill out job applications. Um, we would ask like for donations of clothes, like from staff members too, or, you know, staff members, children or whatever we could get um, to try to help them out too. Um, and then we also had a trans, it was called the transition program, um, which, you know, separately helped them with some of those skills, but it was that. And then as a social worker in that environment, it's even like um, appropriate, appropriate, like talk behavior, like what's appropriate in this setting and not this setting, what's appropriate with friends, what's appropriate, because honestly, some people think that that's so obvious or that someone that, you know, the students may be doing it on purpose, but they're not always taught that by their family or, or their parents aren't always present or they're not always around, like they're not taught those skills. So like that's, and I think even sometimes culturally there's Mm -hmm. differences and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And then sometimes it's even like, it goes down to like preference. Like I know I've had some teachers where I'm like, some of their behavior was a little skeptical to me. Mm -hmm. But absolutely. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It honestly, it all, it ties in with so many things and even like systemic racism. Like I, you know, just, being honest, like there's just a lot of things that made it really uh, a really complicated environment to work in. And it's just like kind of trying to do the best that you can um, with the students at the time. And then like taking that experience and uh, furthering, like when I became an administrator for Chicago Public Schools. Um, But there were students that I really, again, like, you know, felt a connection with and, um, whenever we would hear that they would go on to do like bigger and better things, even like successfully transitioning from our school to their high school. Right. um, That was always amazing. Um, And sometimes they didn't like, I'll be honest, you know, sometimes like they didn't, or sometimes unfortunately you would hear like they um, were shot or, you know, things would happen. It was so, I mean, it was, it was, it was a lot of things like it was sad. It was real. I mean, it was sad. It was, but it, it's just in that situation, like doing the best that you can to like empower them uh, with what's going on in their environment. So from that perspective, um, I, I have two questions for you, but I'll kind of read. Your, so your, describe to us your transition from social worker to administrator at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so first I actually became an administrator within that, com- it was a company called the Menta Group. They're still around. Oh. Um, so it was, I, I was an administrator, I became an administrator for the building Um, which was called like a clinical director. And so it was working like alongside the principal and doing things like um, intakes for the new students, um, meetings with parents um, that, you know, had were um, concerns that they had 
uh, for the students, setting up transitions for students like returning to their school, um, setting up like trainings for staff members um, for various like I was talking about like our transition program and plan um, and then also training staff members on like IEPs train hiring and training new social workers um, in some some areas are like um, clinical like supervision plans if that makes sense like some students if they came to us and we were concerned with their safety or the safety of other students given um, maybe like an, an inappropriate like sexual experience or you know sexual assault or something like that so we would have like a safety or supervision plan for that student um, to set that student up for success in our building as well as protect the safety of other students in the building um, what else assessing um, when you would need to call like DCFS if there's any concern of a student being abused um, when we would call uh, an organization called SAS, which is like if a student is um, talking about threatening uh, to harm themselves or others, essentially like suicidal ideation. Uh, so that's mostly what uh, an administrator for that setting looked like. Okay. And that just happened you saw the a job opportunity available and you took it or how was that process oh um so being hired as a social worker for that organization you were a part of the administrative team so when i started i was a part of the administrative team but it wasn't um actually like a building administrator if that makes sense so i was included right. in some administrative meetings and that kind of thing and i just i think i always just then I just started to recognize the leadership skills in me and how I just, that was like more, more fitting for me. Um, or I could say, I mean, like a dual role. I still liked the social work aspect of things, but I always liked a leadership aspect. Um, so then it was kind of just through experience and time um, building relationships. And then I also went back to school for what was called, what's called a type 75 in Illinois. I don't, or actually they, I think they re, they relabeled everything. So I think it's just called like the principal endorsement now. Um, it used to be called a type 75, but anyhow, I went back to school and they were able to help me with that. Um, and then I was just given the, that leadership role within the organization. But I knew that, you know, I had been there for a couple of years and I was ready to take a leap onto being an administrator of my own, like in a new environment. Um, and so at first I thought it was being like an assistant principal or a principal of a school somewhere in Chicago land. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm pretty big into meditation or I had, I had gotten into it along this time. So I started kind of like meditating on like making that transition and what it would look like. And what do I really like about this job now? Um, what am I, what do I feel like I'm good at? What makes me, you know, a leader in these areas? What do I, what are my strengths in, in like a leadership role? And I, I started realizing that a lot of it was like the meetings. A lot of it was like shaking hands, talking with parents, making plans for new students that would come in, um, helping people like execute, uh, uh, plans to ultimately, um, uh, create those positive outcomes that we're looking for, if that makes sense. So even like teachers, like with trainings and stuff like that. 
Um, so then I, so then I had this inspiration to check the Chicago public schools bulletin and just saw this position that I didn't really know existed. So it was like, a, it was called a, they've renamed it several times. It's like a, um, district administrator for, um, I started out as like non-public. So it was working with the kinds of schools that I had just worked in like at-risk youth. Um, and or, well, I shouldn't just say at-risk youth, some of them were our schools for students with autism. They're essentially non-public schools. Right. Um, and so then I, I moved on to that role. So just to throw this out there, yeah. you know, Palatine has all of the um, mentally challenged kids in District 211. Oh. I don't know if you knew that or not, but yeah, that's yeah. like Palatine's big thing. Wow, so. no, I didn't. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, they take all the kids from District 211, all the mentally challenged kids. Wow. Is that how, did you know when you were going to school there or did you learn that yeah. after? And was it like, did they have like an inclusive program or? Yeah, they had the like best buddies program. Oh, okay. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I never was a part of it, um, but a lot of people were, so. Nice. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's great. And I also think it would be nice if they spread it among the other schools as well. Yeah. But um, that's interesting. I don't even know how they, they maintain that because you would think that that would be a pretty, I guess, maybe not all mentally challenged kids that go are in District 211 actually attended um, Palatine. I, maybe some of them went to alternative options as well. So I don't know how that all works out but yeah interesting so going back to earlier in our conversation um i wanted to ask you are you familiar with the term empath yes and do you identify Mm -hmm. as an empath yes absolutely okay because some people can exhibit empathy and not be empaths right Mm mm-hmm you know, but I I personally identify as an empath, and we had a very great episode with uh, Tina Trong on here. Um, I think she's episode 22, 21, something like that. Awesome. Let me check that out. Yeah, but definitely check that out. We had a fantastic conversation. She was, she was great. Um, one of my favorite episodes. Definitely classic episode of the podcast. But anyways, so kind of how does do you feel like that helped you or do you feel like that hindered you to do your job and uh, any um, of the capacities you've had and what was the second question sorry or do you feel like that's helped you or do you feel like that's hindered you uh it's it's hard because I don't know differently. It's, it's hard sometimes. Like I cannot like just really absorb energies. And um, when I'm in uh, like, let's say for Christmas every year, my family has like this big party and there are, you know, a lot of cousins um, and a lot of kids. And it's always like just a lot for me um, absorbing a lot of energy. So I think it's just throughout like time in life and like not really knowing it and being in touch with it at first. And then now really knowing myself and being aware of it. I just learned to, um, like take breaks when I need to, or to, um, 
you know, learn in situations where how do I need to like take a break for a minute and like breathe and um, just not allow this energy to like absorb with me, like, you know, kind of do like a little like affirmation or a little mantra. And these are a lot of things that I work with my clients now. I'll, I'll get to that later, but the, it's, it's helped me to help them because I'm, I've become more in tune with it from like meditation and just from like living life and different environments. Um, but yeah, it's just about like taking breaks and breathing and saying, I'm not allowing this like energy to stick on me. Or sometimes it's not even bad energy, but just like needing breaks to like recharge and just knowing myself and knowing that I need to take them sometimes. Um, and yeah, cause it really what, I mean, you're, you just like absorb energies like a sponge yep. as you know. So it's so important to take those breaks and like recharge and decide, um, are, if they're people that I surround myself with in my daily life, are they draining me or energizing me? Because they're and, doing one or the other, right? Right, daily. right. And, and figuring out... It's hard to find a neutral person. I, I don't know if that... Does that even exist for an empath, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. That's interesting. I personally just need a lot of alone time to, like, recharge. Yes. Even if I feel like it's, like, a good... Even when it's, like people that I, I truly value in my life that are like, I feel great friends to me. I still just have to like recharge. So like, what's your, have you taken the Myers-Briggs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's your personality? Probably. Oh, um, I wait. Oh, it's going to bother me. I feel like I just took it to also like two months ago. Like I've done it a few different times. Has it always been it, different or has it been? Somewhere? No, no, it's always the same. It's, um, I forget, I forget exactly what it is, but it's a debater. Debater. Is that Myers-Briggs or is that, um, the Enneagram? It's Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Um, Cause isn't the type Myers-Briggs is like, the I and you know yeah e yeah and, yeah so I'm trying to right I just can't remember the um the debater yeah so if okay. I look it up yeah let's see if we can look it up. it's wait the debater is oh the app that I work for even has the test I didn't even realize that really um yeah I just it said uh, better help um diplomats explorers. Analysts, why isn't it? Um, it definitely starts with an I. What is yours? I, it changes from an INTJ. No, it is it? Yeah, or an IN. Is it INT? It says it on my Instagram. Oh, I'm just kidding. It's not I. So I see it. Debater personality is ENTPA. 
ENTPA. Mine. And that also, I don't know if you're a horoscope person. I was listening to the, the podcast with Trenius. I'm an Aries. Okay. So that might just come with that kind of territory. I'm not sure. But I'm that a, is kind of yeah. how it's it's I'm basically a like a truth seeker. It's like I can't I can't let it go if I feel like it has something to do with like the truth or like getting through to someone or something political debates forget it i had to like not like do or like post them on facebook anymore because i would i would get really yeah (laughs) i would just try to post like open forums for politics and they would always just go sideways on my wall like my profile was known for that for just like political rhetoric just you never know what's gonna happen it could just go nuts you know I like it though. I like that people like post and don't stop and keep sharing because I do think that it's so important. Right. I for me personally, right now I have my opinions, but I I may share a political article here and there, but it's not the bulk of what I promote only because I I got to the point where I'm like I'm not really changing anyone's mind. I don't feel like this is productive. Mm-hmm. And so it just became like, whatever, you know, it is what it is. I hear yeah. you. I felt the same and I stopped doing it, but I do feel guilty about it because I feel well, like it's like you like, quit the fight. Yes, yeah. I feel guilty. Yes, like I quit the fight or that it's like just I'm allowed to do that. And some people aren't, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know, but I don't know. That's what it it's is. Like, but I hear you. You want to speak your mind, speak your truth, but it's just like. And then, like, and then it, it gets weird on social media because you can win a debate through, you know, the points that you state, and then it becomes a personal attack. Right, right, right. You yes. know, so it's no, like, absolutely just opening yourself up to that all the time. Like, and then people thinking, like, oh, well, you didn't win the debate. So, like, people just ignoring facts just so that they can double down on their points. Yes. And it's just, like, okay, okay. Yes. I We've come into an age where we just, people can blatantly ignore facts. And it's okay. Like, but yeah, my I know. thing is, the rest of us accept that now. I know. Like, but it's sad, maybe not but it's true. Privately, but at least publicly, like, we're just like, oh, okay, yeah, we're we're okay with the fact that you aren't except okay okay i don't so it's like from that standpoint i don't know what to do you know that's just me like i'm i know i'm confused like if we're not if there's not a criterion for what we're discussing here then it's a free-for-all so it is what it is exactly there's no order okay you like chaos you just you know, not and not one way or another, because um, this really isn't a political podcast. You know, although I think elements of uh, empowerment and entrepreneurship definitely play and empathy play into politics and mm-hmm. our political yeah. um, culture. But you know, when you when you have terms like alternative facts, like, mm-hmm. and it's just. It, yeah, that, I mean, that's it's, in the it's... lexicon. Like, people really believe that, though. 
it's really sad and it's really scary. And I like, I feel, I almost feel like we're on the same page with just like you, why like you had to let go of doing, I, I had to too. It's like, I could literally argue on your page, like, but the sky is really green and just anything goes right now where it's just like, and, the, and then I'm saying this. And then I hate at the end when, after you presented all these arguments and, you're showing consistent reasoning where it just becomes, well, let's just agree to disagree. Right. That's the worst. Right. Like, no. How about we not? I know. A lot of things just really made me sad, too. Like, I used to think in my heart, truly, like, okay, there are, there's, like, a right side and a left side. But if people really knew how, no. like, other people were impacted by things, they wouldn't, they would change their mind. They've, you know, maybe just been, you know, kind of because of family or community, they kind of think a certain way. But if they knew, like, you know, these decisions or these things happen and they really impact or affect people in a way. And then when I when I found out that that wasn't true, I was just like heartbroken. And I'm like, okay, some people really just don't care. And it makes me really, really sad. Some people really don't have any empathy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um. I, I kind of unrelated, but just to this overall point of lack of empathy in our culture, I remember seeing someone who some a person had died and they started making fun of the fact that this individual's family um, was requesting funeral um, help, like through a GoFundMe page. Mm-hmm. And this same individual, I think it was like a year or two later was wanted to move back to the area and they started a GoFundMe for that. So the the point I got from that is, oh, people are only empathetic when it benefits them, but they can't get past their own personal prism and experiences. Wait, so, uh, wait, I'm sorry. I think I, I was with you. So the fam- a family requested a GoFundMe page right. for funeral services. For funeral services. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And this same individual, well, uh, and another individual, unrelated, she, was, she started making fun of this family. Yeah. For doing that, right? For saying, oh, they need help. Forget them. I'm not paying for them, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people agreed with that. But oh, then wow. later, she turns around and requests a GoFundMe to oh. help her relocate. Wow. Yes, exactly. Like, yes. Things like that. I, I. And there's too many examples of that type of behavior. Right. Ugh. And, and that's why yeah. I do this podcast, because I I know what my experiences are like. But I know other people have different experiences that I can learn from and grow from through, you know, just through a conversation. Right. Because I do think um, conversations can be transformative. Yes. Someone can tell you something, encourage you in one way and, you know, give you information that you didn't have before. And that can change your perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I think one thing that's good about this and that's different than maybe like a Facebook debate is people can soak in information and process it at their own time and nobody's 
like they can they can uh learn and maybe transform and like grow and they don't have to like admit it or people don't have to see if that makes sense so they might really they don't have to be publicly shamed and right or feel defeated or coerced or yeah right yeah exactly it's it's their own growing process and it feels more natural and it's probably going to stick more right 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 exactly because i i just made this point i was talking with a buddy on facebook um a little while ago well earlier today and i made the comment change is internal it never happens externally mm-hmm. you know so true um, it, it, it the catalyst for it has to be within you and mm-hmm. then you will see it come out externally but until that we can't force anyone else to change exactly as much as we would want to right it's so true you know, it just goes like you can't walk for someone else. Right, and, exactly. And you can't th- really think for someone else. In some cases, I guess you can because of groupthink, but yeah. Right. No, but completely, you're spot on. Like, that's, it, you see it all the time. And it's like, it's things like, like Facebook debates, like, it's true. Like, you never know if they listen to something or, um, you know, listen to something like a podcast or they watch something on TV or they do have to unfortunately have, I mean, I, I hate this, but just honestly, like if they have like a family who was like in between jobs who got really sick, unfortunately, and then that made them learn the importance of healthcare or having access to healthcare, right. just all kinds of different things. And then that completely you different stratosphere they were in because even middle-class people, even out here in the Northwest suburbs, right? Most people are two to three paychecks away from being homeless. Yeah. And people act like that's not a real fact. It is. Right. No, absolutely. And and maybe some people it's a little different, you know, depending on the size of your paycheck and all that. All those factors, how long you've been working at a particular job and, you know, everything. But, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Someone can tell you something, but until you experience it for yourself, that's when you're, when you feel it. It's completely true. So true. And with empaths, that's not necessarily the case with us. Yeah. Our empathy can actually extend to an experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. You know. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, yeah, because I think that's why I used to think like, no, but if I explained it in this way or if yes. they understood it in this situation, they would, you know. You were thinking it, you could be that catalyst for this yeah, or, yeah, or, you because know, that's the way then, our minds work. Like if someone tells us something, we're like, okay, this is making me think different. I'm processing what you're saying. Right. Yeah, I'm reflecting on it. Right, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so take us to your current careers. Because you still are doing a lot. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, worked for Chicago Public Schools, um, decided I was like, I started taking acting classes um, in 2014, I think, in Chicago, um, because it was just like, this is something I've always wanted to do. I now have, like, I'm, I'm more comfortable in my 
like paycheck in my uh, time that I can actually do this and I have more of the confidence now. So I started taking the classes um, and then it was kind of just deciding like at a point in time. um, Well, actually, okay. So there was, my position was eliminated the entire position. And I was like, okay, now I, I get to go for it. Cause I was thinking like, how in the world could I like go from the salary I'm at now to an actor that my actor friends would say it's like a hundred dollars a day or something. And I'm like, how can you do that? Um, and then, but I really, really wanted to do it. And so when the position was eliminated, I was like, thank you universe. I am like going for it now. So I did absolutely loved it. And then just, just so many, um, things that, that changed for me during that point in time, I had never been out of the like quote unquote rat race of life. And so there were so many things that I was like, wow, there's a life where you can actually, do things that you find like fulfilling and I can still use my background and like reach people on a different scale and tell different stories. And it was, it was absolutely life-changing. So they decided to bring that position back. And, um, because of money, I did end up like taking it back for a short period of time. I was absolutely miserable. I just felt like there was like a dark cloud hanging over me. And I knew it was just a matter of time before, I quit and made the plunge, like just moved to LA. Um, so I finally just did that. It was like, uh, like an October. Um, I told my boss like Thanksgiving, like right before Thanksgiving, that's my last day. Like I'm done. Um, and then I just literally packed up my car, drove out here, um, and, uh, experiences here. So I think I don't know. It was just so freeing. I mean, I would say I was pretty happy, like right off the bat, just for the the freedom of like, wow, this, like this weight is like lifted off of me. I can like start something new. Um, and it's absolutely had like its challenges and its ups and downs. Um, but I like, I found, I mean, it was always like covered. Like I, I felt like just always expressing gratitude, like something, you know, universe has my back. I've always had a place to stay. I've always had, you know, I was able to get my apartment. I was able to make friends from the class that I was in. Um, and so when I was in Chicago, I started writing sketches, as I mentioned earlier, like I was always kind of like class clown, like comedy was always kind of just a thing for me. I like making people laugh, um, along with helping people. (laughs) And, um, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) It looked, it seemed like it froze for a second. Um, so, uh, Yeah. So I started writing sketches and then there was just a point in time where I was like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to, um, kind of get my own, my own sketches, my own voice, um, out there. So I, I, I had written a few already and then I started writing more and they were either based on experiences that happened in my life or like parts of my personality or things that are like meaningful to me. Um, I have kind of like a, a silliness, like a, a deadpan, uh, delivery to me where I'll do silly things. Like, um, if I have like a little tiny, um, like I have an episode where there's like a teddy bear that I pretend like, I I really want to set my friend up with this teddy bear and she doesn't know, like I'm, I tell her I want to set you up with somebody and she's waiting to see who it is. And then like, it's this teddy bear and I'm just, you know, kind of like, why, why not? So things like that are things that like I would do in, in real life to my friends. Like I don't really believe that it's real, but like I'll, I just kind of have like a deadpan silliness. Um, therapy, the importance of mental health um, is 
is important to me. So I have like an episode, uh, I have an episode addressing that, um, uh, gender equality, empowerment, um, social justice are all things that are important to me. So it's, it's mixing like comedy and like my authentic voice with, with, uh, things that I also find important that I want to address. Um, so I, I wrote, out like eight sketches um we're filming the seventh one on sunday but then it was just putting together like you know just kind of for each one just figuring out like who can i cast where do i want to film it like the production side of things um learning from each video directing casting my friends i want it to be like a very like fun experience for everyone um but also um deliver like a, a quality product um, and so I don't know if I mentioned it's called Fits and Friends and it's on YouTube right now. Yes, it's very, very funny. It's hysterical. Oh, thank you. It's hilarious. Check it out. Like it's just different, like um like I was watching the episode with the robot date. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it like just showcases and, and you know what? Like from watching it, I get the sense of Chicago improv from you. Oh, really? But I, yeah, but I also totally get the LA um, component of it. Like I, I feel that energy because I'm, you know, yeah, I, I, I get where how all of it like is manifesting it within that moment, within the scene. So it's, I love it. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you so much. I did do, um, I did like IO in a bit of um, Second City when I was in Chicago. And I do yeah. try to improv a lot with the actors. And the actors always bring something, new ideas for me, things like that I didn't think of either. So it's, I just wanted to all around be like a fun experience for everyone. Glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. No, it's great. And I, I think the different uh, sketches like showcase you as an actors because you're using such different scenarios but you use different facial expressions and then you even change your voice and it's very very um unique experience we're just kind of like showcasing everyone's talent that's what i like the most from it i think Thank you. Um, yeah, I do try. I'm, um, yeah. So like I said, I try to just use my authentic. I think me, I, what inspires me um, when I'm, I'm watching anything is, is authenticity. I think whenever people are coming from themselves or something in them, that's what we want to see, right? Like that's what you want to, what you want to watch. Um, and it depends. I mean, people have different tastes in shows, but I find myself gravitating towards towards projects that are that come from uh the authenticity if that makes sense as opposed to like not to not network tv but you know some shows on network tv are more they're more actory acting and then you you see like different styles and different if that makes sense yeah so i mean i think just mainstream hollywood right now has completely run out of ideas so yes whoever's there i think they need to phase start phasing people out and getting new talent in, new writers, new ideas, new creativity, because I, I don't want to keep seeing reboots mm-hmm. oh, or exactly. sequels that didn't need to be made a sequel. And it's just, 
or late sequels. Like you're doing the the only late sequel I want to see. I do want to see the new Bad Boys movie. I think this is Bad Boys okay. Three. I'm I'm here for that. Uh, but yeah, that's probably the only thing I can I... think of. I completely agree. Every time a reboot comes out, I'm like, why would I want to see that again? And like, no offense to the project. Like, I think I did watch a little bit of Will. I'm just going to give Will and Grace's example. And they were awesome back in like, you know, the 90s, early 2000s. But I was like, why would I want to watch that again? Like, I just don't exactly like this, like new ideas. ideas. If they had new comedies that were working, Will and Grace would never have been revamped. Exactly. And they they didn't have a plan for it. That's what I didn't like either. They were going to let it go on. And then they acted like the whole last season didn't happen to do the reboot. It's weird. Or like when they brought back Roseanne. Oh, they did the same thing there. It's like, I'm, I can, I'm a writer. I I was going to say I consider myself a writer, but I'm a writer. I write a number of different uh, creative projects that, I have working right now, you know, in addition to the book, you know, I I have three screenplays that I've been working on forever and I hope to get them done by the end of this year. Yes, get them out there. Yes, yes. And they're original. They're way better than some of the movies I've seen in the past three years. Um, And we'll probably have to do a whole nother podcast episode with where we talk about Hollywood and writing and stuff like that. But, um, I say all that to say I I respect um, showrunners and creators of different TV shows where they have a plan behind the show or like, like a show like Supernatural. This is one of the, it's been going on. I think they're going into their 15th or 16th season, this upcoming season. Right. And it was supposed to end, I think in season six, but they were able to continue it and they were able to keep it going with a new showrunner and um with yeah with a new showrunner and maybe they've even changed showrunners twice i'm not certain about that but i know at least once and they were able to still make it fresh um because two of the actors were locked in and on it and they were able to become executive producers and direct some episodes and but Initially, there was a plan. There was an end date for the show. And I tend to like shows where there is the end to them, where the writer has been thinking about them and mm-hmm. how they're what, – what's the story here? Because every story needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's okay to say bye to your favorite show, and but the, it should end well. Like Breaking Bad – it's considered to be one of the best shows because they knew how they wanted to end it when they started it. Oh, really? Yeah. Like a lot of the, even I'm not super certain about the wire because it had so many almost cancellations and then like, they would kind of like bring it back. Like, and it, it took a while for the wire to kind of conclude its seasons um, so I'm not sure what they, what, if that had an end date behind it, but the Sopranos, I think it was always supposed to end that way. Um, and 
certain writers they'll make certain adjustments as the show goes on. Like, uh, for example, did you watch Sons of Anarchy? I didn't. Okay. I heard it was good, but I did good not show. Watch that. But there's a character in there that, because of the relationship between the actors, he, um, the character actually became a bigger part of the show than he, the character was initially written as. So there's things like that that occur, right? But usually the end point for for the higher quality shows that the writers usually know, the creators at least know, like they might step away and they might not write all the episodes, but they have a general outline, a concept behind behind the storyline. And, and even Game of Thrones, right. they knew how that was supposed to end years ago like when they started it that they knew the ending and it's still and they finished it and they finished with yeah they 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 chose to finish it oh yeah because it's a book right it is a book but the author the show has exceeded where the books are for example oh so like he told them how it was supposed to end based on the books and then they they decided how they were going to end it based on their series. So the the books and the and the show might not have the same ending, or they may have the exact same ending. It just depends. Right. No, but I I see what you're saying. Um, sometimes where you can tell that it's like they were just writing. Um, where you can see like in some shows how. Like it started off like really strong mm-hmm. and then it seemed like they wanted to go like in different directions. And then that's when it seems like it's not, uh, it's not as like engaging. It's not, they're, as, or they're keeping not... it around for ratings or yeah, the show just gets stale. And exactly. I think um, Seinfeld was smart for ending on his season at the top. Like one of the, most highly rated shows I think still at that yeah. time when he ended yeah and and I think that's good I think go out with the bang go out go out yeah with the story still intact where you're just not where it's like I, I hate watching a TV show that I used to love and now I don't even like watching it right that happens a lot yeah uh, especially with network TV yeah. I think um a lot too is like I think as like we're growing, like a lot has changed too, where like I realize things that I didn't realize back then. So sometimes when I try to watch old things, I'm like, oh, that's kind of rapey. I didn't really realize <laughs> that at the time. You yeah, know, some like, things are off. Like Yeah. Like, I personally say by the bell is one of my favorite shows, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it on like Funny or Die. They have the mm-hmm. Zach Morris is trash. Yes, I I was just having that conversation with someone recently because I was like, I loved him and I really loved him when I was little. I thought he was so he was so cute. He was like the cute, cool guy, right? Like I think I probably had a Zach Morris poster when I was little, and um, yeah, and then like that was like pointed out, and I'm like. Oh, yeah, because I haven't watched it in so long. And it's also not his, I mean, that's, it's, again, it's like, 
it's what everyone knew and what was out there right, at the time. Right. So it's good to just like, if people like recognize it and they're like, oh, okay, I'm growing. I think a lot of the men that were cast in like the early 2000 bro humor are really progressing. Like they're making sure that they work on projects that are more geared towards, you know, just where we're at now and like more of like equality and like reckon, at least I know Jonah Hill um james franco with the deuce yeah is that project that is the on was it monday it the season the final yeah season monday night. i love that show yeah i, I haven't watched yeah. that episode yet um season yeah season three's episode season three premiere but uh i'll definitely catch that this weekend at least i think I, yeah, I love it. I think probably all I watch is HBO, <laughs> just like as an actor, people are like, you've seen this, you've seen this. I'm like, no, I'm kind of bad with stuff like that. I think I only watch HBO, but I think it's because it's like reflective of where the things that like I wear. I'm, I'm someone at, who like, thinks that I want to watch HBO is on the decline, but yeah, I, I still watch a lot <gasps> of HBO. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'm here. I'm interested to hear your perspective. So. I just feel like their lineup isn't as strong as it used to be in previous years and other, like I think Showtime's caught up with them. I think Showtime actually has the best lineup right now as far as premium cable. Um, I don't think AMC has a strong lineup like they used to anymore, but AMC for a while was competing with them and then FX was competing with them as well. And now you have Amazon Prime, you have who bringing original Mm -hmm. content and then you also have netflix that you're competing with and netflix has a lot of top tier content that used to only be able net hbo used to be the only outlet for some of the content that netflix now has so Mm, i think that's true i think it's harder for them and i i think a lot of their shows uh, like they're like True Detective. If you look at that, I've, have, do you watch True? I I've only seen the first two seasons. I think I missed one. The, the last season three or four. It's three seasons. So the okay. most recent yes, they season. Wait, they waited a long time. There was that break a because time, everyone yeah. and season two, which I don't think was as bad as people. I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. I thought Rachel McAdams, I really I loved, loved her, her in that role. I, I, I love the love cast of Vince season Vaughn. two. I do think the writing, there was a fall off in that. Yeah. But as far as performances, I thought everyone did a really good job. I even thought Vince Vaughn was a good good in his role as well. So Really? I, maybe I just don't buy him for some reason. <laughs> but I liked her. I liked Colin Farrell. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, but He's I from Chicago. You should support him, Robin. <laughs> I don't know why you were speaking of people with empathy and I could be totally wrong and not to be I, I've loved some of his comedy yeah. I really have I, I but in that Wedding serious Crashers role it's like uh, maybe, maybe maybe not or there's something that seems like dead behind his eyes or you're speaking of people with empathy I'm like is he a sociopath and maybe he's not I have no idea <laughs> but sometimes like I, I just don't know about him that's so funny <laughs> you can get more humor like that on Fits and Friends <laughs> available um, currently on youtube yeah and what so one last point i wanted to make too i don't know if you're rushing i no, don't know if we're, I was we're just, getting close on time yeah. but um you uh when you were saying that right now like um we're kind of waiting on 
what's next in comedy. I think about that all the time. And I'm always trying to like, I rewatch my episodes. I like learn from them and grow from them and think of like what works and what doesn't work and what is still coming from my authentic voice, but still speaks to an audience and trying to really grow in season two. But I'm, I'm always thinking of that because that's so true. And oftentimes I'm, I'm trying to find my own, like to even watch. And it's like, okay, so we've, we've progressed from bro humor. That was huge in two thousands. Then there was bridesmaids. There was Kristen Wiig. There was like the Tina Fey, you know, Amy Poehler kind of phase too. And it's like, we don't really have the big blockbuster movie or the huge, you know, show there's no, the days of friends are gone. The days of like, so it's like, what is it? And I'm always trying yeah, as to, as far as comedies are concerned, there's not yeah. that major, comedy Veep show. was great i mean veep was amazing veep is done yeah. i don't know if you watched Veep, but i i like Veep, but i did not watch it consistently i could um i don't know if i've seen a full season of veep but okay. a very good show yeah very um, good show. Um, i'm kind yeah. of do you think the um have you seen the what is it the righteous gemstones <gasps> yes i, I like, like it. it do you think that could be it do you think that could be next um I definitely I mean like next I don't know how Barry is really good too yes Barry um, is very funny the funny show I and I haven't seen that uh, as much but yeah I think I think so I love Danny McBride personally I think he pulls off that lovable asshole excuse my life oh, yeah, that's okay yeah. <laughs> um like nobody can I mean it's you I, I he's loved such, him and you know um, from Eastbound and down and vice yes, principles. Yeah. yeah. And he's always, that's him. He knows him and he knows how to like, he knows how to write. He knows how, I mean, he's, he's awesome. I do. I mean, I am a huge fan. I just, I guess, and I could be wrong, but I don't know if he reaches, I guess I'm, I'm thinking, and maybe the days are just over of like large audiences, but then that's not true because there's Game of Thrones. Yeah. I'm just thinking well, of I where it's so, like, everyone. I did read an article so, where like, they were everyone... saying that Game of Thrones might be the last water cooler moment in television. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, then that might be. Yeah. That's interesting. Because I I do love Righteous Gemstones, and I love Danny McBride. And I think he, and also that other person, I don't know his name, the actor. He was in Vice Principals, and he's in Righteous Gemstones. Oh, he's, um, he plays, like, the younger brother? Yeah, to he... John Goodman, right? Well, oh, no, maybe not. Then I'm thinking. No, that guy's funny too, though. The one I don't, I don't know all their names, but um, I'm thinking of I the will... younger brother who, like, I've only seen the first episode where, um, but I really like it. I'm gonna. I just haven't had the chance to watch it. I've been binging okay. some other yeah, stuff. He's, um, but um, the guy from Workaholics. I don't know if you ever saw that show. He plays. No, I yeah, heard he plays of it. the youngest brother on there. On Righteous, Righteous Gemstones? Gemstones or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's yeah. awesome, too. He's funny. And I think, so, Danny McBride has that, um, so he can play, you know, the lovable asshole so well. He can write. He can, he knows how to cast. And everyone in there, that's like, again, to me, the authenticity. Like, I, I so believe them all, and I believe that there's a part of them. Obviously, actors are acting, and, and parts of everything are exaggerated, but I believe that all of those people, there are parts of them in themselves, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, and that's, uh, that's, to me, that's what, like, people want to watch. And that's what is key. 
So, as we kind of transition out, I have a few more yeah. questions for you. Yeah. So, current to the theme of TV shows, is there a TV character that you would say, like, best represents you? A TV character. Or even uh, a movie character, so, if you need. Yeah. So when I have to, because here, you know, LA, some people are big on like explaining your type, especially like I just got a new agent. So when you're like, you're talking to people and you're, you have to like somewhat describe yourself or like brand. I use a mixture of a few different actors. And so I usually say, um, because I, since I was younger, I was very much inspired by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And I think the part of her that resonates with me is the sort of the feminist um, sort of social activist, a little bit of the boss in me that I resonate with her. Um, Kristen Wiig of kind of still have the like awkward silliness or, you know, can kind of play the like uh, the passive, um, if that makes sense. Like if you if you picture her in, in some of the roles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So her, big fan of everyone. Uh, Aubrey, mentioning, yeah. So. Oh, uh, Aubrey Plaza for like the. I love Aubrey just very... Plaza. I want her in like uh, the first film that I plan to write. Not as a lead, yeah, but I she's... have this one role. I think she would crush it. Oh my God. She's amazing. Um, love her. And um, Zoe Deschanel for some of the like playfulness. Yeah. Like Zoe Deschanel and New Girl for um, kind of a playful or like a, a sweetness a little bit. So that's usually how I describe myself so it's a couple a couple people <laughs> and then of course because this is the trap life podcast and this is one of our major themes what are three transferable skills that you have yourself and then three transferable skills that you would recommend people have to make um transitions yeah um three transferable skills okay so confidence which i would also elaborate to like belief in yourself um just yeah the confidence um belief in yourself and what you're doing um perseverance like you just you have to be willing to just like keep going and like work through any uh anything that that's kind of thrown at you any setbacks that come your way you have to be willing to like to persevere through them um, focus. You have to pick. So I would say here, sometimes you'll meet people who want to do a hundred things, right? Like they're like, I, I just met someone recently that was like, I'm, you know, I'm, cause he knows that like I, I write, produce, direct, uh, fits and friends, which I can, you know, they're five minute sketches. So even that sometimes is difficult, but I can do it. It's like, it's smaller, but I met someone recently that was like, I'm also my own gaffer. I also meaning, you know, lighting, like they do their own lighting and uh, sound and I, I, I have my own equipment and I mic up sound and I'm like, you cannot, like you have to focus, you have to pick a couple of things. And I've learned from watching like a, uh, uh, what's it called? The defiant ones on HBO. Great uh, thing on, on a uh, great documentary on like entrepreneur leadership. HBO Absolutely. has awesome documentaries. Yeah, the Defiant Ones, amazing. Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre and how they came together and how they, uh, their whole journey and how they bought Apple. But anyhow, they talk about how, at least Jimmy Iovine was like, you got to just, you got to just pick 
a couple things in focus. You can't, you're not going to be great. You're not going to be amazing at a hundred things. Pick a couple. So if you want to do writing and acting, focus on writing and acting, like, and just keep doing it. Keep watching your work and how can I improve? And you don't have to self-deprecate in the process. You don't have to hate yourself. You just look at it and you're like, how can I take from this and just be a little better? Right. It, because it becomes but, about margins at that point. You're improving like 1%, 2%. Right. But that could be the tipping point, right? Exactly. Exactly. But you have to focus. Like you can't, you can't do 100 things really well. You can do 100 things at 30%. Yeah. <laughs> that math doesn't add up, but let's pretend it does. Because someone else <laughs> is crushing it at 100% focusing on so it's not just about what you do, but it's also the market and the competition in the market. Right, right. And if you want to get really good at it, you know, you just, you have to like narrow your focus and just, you know, spend your energy on that. So yeah, it's a, those couple things. So like confidence, um, perseverance and focus, I think those three are huge Huge. I felt like I sounded like Trump with that. Huge. Yeah, I didn't have to sound like that at all. Those are key. Those are Those essential. are key. We're not using the word huge or bigly or <laughs> anything like that. That's funny. <laughs> that could be a sketch. Words that you can't use anymore because they sound too much like. Right. Right. Like even someone you just don't like in general like I, I find myself doing that like oh wait doesn't that person say that oh, okay right no. right I yeah or like if I've used like great too many times yeah. I'm like okay expand my vocabulary like, right. like, like I don't want to be that like or it's like that was kind of a basic little syntax you know so I need to right. <laughs> I need to grow I need to switch some things yeah, up make exactly. an adjustment definitely well okay and then my last question well that's a lie but one of my last <laughs> questions um are you familiar with the term multi-potentialite i don't think i've heard that okay before i can sort of gather what it but i'm, I'm or listening. it's I'm, I'm a, what's the other term for it multi-potentialite or um they use this term a lot with Leonardo da Vinci, but it's something math. I can't, huh? I can't think of what the uh, a polymath or something like that. I think, but anyways, it means someone who has potential where in several in multiple fields in multiple mm-hmm. ways, and you strike me as someone who has achieved success and different careers different paths um but that you legitimately had potential in all of those endeavors and maybe even more to come right so you're very yeah i'll send you a book on that some links and stuff like that too that's yeah i love that thank you very cool i mean yeah i I would say that that resonates um with me and i think as you know, as you know, like you're on this path and you're drawn to certain things, like for a reason, I think I, I always knew, like, I'm not going to be at this job or at this place for the rest of my life. And I didn't always know what that looked like, but I knew that I would be pulled in 
different directions and that it would get bigger and grow if that makes sense right but i that's very cool thank you i also appreciate that okay and final two questions i'll say this do you have a question for me i always give i've asked you a lot of questions tonight so yeah i oh my gosh i think so many would come along the way with so many different topics that we've covered but i'm kind of interested if you could talk if what you're allowed to talk about regarding your book i think it's gonna be super cool and i also would love to like see your your screenplays come to life but um like uh yeah if you're allowed to talk about it um but Okay, so I've kind of I'm gonna give you a quick answer on that and then maybe go a little bit more in depth on the screenplays because I haven't touched on that on the podcast before. Okay. Yeah. So with the book, the breakdown of it, it's gonna be composed of my personal um entrepreneur experience, entrepreneur experience, and then um there's there I'm building a world of through uh, short stories and it might be a little bit longer than your traditional short short story because i think doesn't your short a short story have to consist of 20 pages or less or something like that there's like a word count it's allowed so i'm not sure technically if it would be a short story but it more or less a short story uh, not quite a novella um and then it would and then it's going to break down um a history of entrepreneurs um and particularly black entrepreneurs and how throughout you know just different figures throughout history um and kind of promoting it to because i i want i want the next generation of uh i'm writing this book dedicated to the next generation of black entrepreneurs to in the hopes of my experiences can maybe be a a pathway for them and to shorten their path i love that that's amazing so good for so cool that's why i asked about transferable skill sets because i think those are crucial to making your transitions you know when you think that you you're limited here but that might be able to help you in the next step of your life. And it might be something completely different than you could ever imagine. Right. It, 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 absolutely. Yep. So that's my thought. And so that, that's why I always ask that question. That's probably the most asked question on the podcast, but, and then as regards to my screenplays. So uh, the, the first screenplay it's um, autobiographical, well, semi-autobiographical because I changed names and stuff. But um, so it's a story. I've been working on this since I was 17. So I just wow. turned 27. I need to finish it. I've been working on this for 10 years. It's my longest running <laughs> endeavor in life. So, so I need cool. to finish that up. And it's been written for a while now. But uh, to be honest, it's it's like... I. I make adjustments, but I I have the, the, there's been a lot to it. Like I had it all written out once and then after working on it for several years and then um, my grandmother threw it out. Um, Accidentally, she threw out my notebook. 
I, for whatever reason, I, I still don't really know. And so it was like, I kind of like shut down a little bit um, and like, you know, was emotionally dejected from that. And so I had to, um, and then because it is semi uh, autobiographical, I'm drawing from very real experiences. And so at the time, some of these relationships that I'm talking about, they're still, they were still ongoing and in process. And so, and then where I was in terms of, I, I don't know if I was always in a place of like healing and I, and I don't like to write when I'm angry, you know, Mm -hmm. because I don't, because I Mm -hmm. feel like when you have a script that's, and you make it into a movie, that's forever. So that's in stone. So it's like, I want to be as clear headed and give as much Mm -hmm. content and, be right with the uh, themes that I'm going for, right? Absolutely. And the 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 concepts that I'm that are embodying this this overall project. So, um, I was kind of thinking elements of it might change at the time, like the way I was writing certain characters. It it was kind of based on what was actually going on and so I was a little hesitant like so the story to give you some context is I have um I actually have sickle cell disease so um and it's a chronic illness and it affects uh it's a considered a blood disorder so okay moving forward it's um for those of you that don't know you can like look it up on youtube really quick watch three minute video on it um i will probably do an episode because this month is actually sickle cell awareness month so i might actually do an episode on it dedicated to it yeah Um, but i might not so i don't know depends on how i feel (laughs) about it and some things come into place but like yeah my sister and i actually have sickle cell disease so something you know we've dealt with it our whole lives but it's a story about um my my first love in life was basketball and um the so the main character he's a 17-year-old basketball player and it's very reflective of where I was at 17 and how his illness is kind of holding him back in some ways that some ways that he can control and some ways that he can't control and understanding um, the differences between that. But around this time, he also falls in love for the first time. And then his relationship with his mother, who is actually his best friend um, starts changing at the time as they start, as he starts looking at what's next for him in terms of, um, playing basketball at the next level he he's a highly decorated basketball player but is still maybe not considered to where he would want to be um, you know it's, um, and, it, and it's just about that um, that process of uh, the the name of the script is called transitions so that's what that kind of deals with um, how you know coming of age story um yeah it's the 
I always say it has three main characters, really. Or, um, you know, it's my character, the my mother's character, and then uh, the woman who I fell in love with, her character. So all kind of put together. And, you know, you kind of see it from what I always wanted to reflect was everyone's perspective. Yeah. You know, so it, it's it's I think it's going to be pretty cool um, when it comes yeah. out. So I actually have a, a, a poster of it. I'll um, send it to you. So cool. Yeah, I want to see it. And I think that's really cool. Honestly, I I don't know if this is even what you're thinking, but I I mean, just like side note, it resonates like for like for me, what came to mind too is even when I'm thinking of like um, you were talking about like what you can control and can't control in your environment like it can reach people on so many levels yeah so many people that are going through different things in life because that's real in life like some things are handed your way via circumstance and some things you can control and I know I don't even know if this is your whatever but I'm just also thinking of that kind of it reminds me of what I was talking about earlier with students that I worked with like even give people like a a picture of I don't know just like navigating through things you control can control and things that you can't control in general and like that's so cool yeah I can't I would love to that's one of the themes I would say behind it so yeah I thank you for saying that um yeah very cool yeah I definitely want to get that done um soon so I think after I write the book, I can really start like focusing on that since like trap life is really kind of my priority. And then the, I'm giving, I'll, t- I'll talk to you about the other two off camera. Cause I'm like, wow, but I'm, I'm giving you guys a lot of information right now. A lot of the whole game plan, but yeah, yeah. But I'll talk yeah, to Robin like, about the other two projects to. off, off podcast. She's cool. Okay, the yeah. rest of you can wait till I make those announcements. Absolutely. No, I get it. I get it. You, I'm sure you have a very loyal audience, um, but I, I completely understand. Yeah, and I look forward to hearing about them. Definitely. And then my last question, for real this time, is would you be open to coming back on the podcast? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would love to. Awesome. Well, Tell everyone where they can find you again, where they can find your work, and then uh, what's next for you. Yeah, oh, thank you. Um, Okay, so you can find Fitz and Friends on YouTube under the channel Robin Fitzgerald, and it has, like, my cartoon avatar as kind of the little picture. Um, Robin Fitzgerald, episode seven drops next week. So check it out. But right now you can see one through six on the channel. There's uh, one more to be released this quote unquote season. And then season two has a whole new bunch of surprises and, and uh, has evolved. So um, cool. And then if you want to connect with me on Instagram, I'm Robin Elizabeth 13 and Facebook Robin Elizabeth. Okay. And actually Robin, send us um, uh, or send it, just send it to me directly. But um if you can send us like a little clip of the um, of Fitz and Friends, uh, we can put it on our. We will we'll make it a post for your episode. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so get people into in that way. Awesome. And yes, Thank and you. you can find us at 
Trep Life Media on Instagram. On IG. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay, good. So, yeah, definitely. We, we need to build that up. Uh, Trep Life, Trep Stars. So, um, yeah, definitely start liking it and showing support. Um, For sure. On there. So, and with that, we are out of here. We wish you always peace, prosperity, and purpose on your journey. Very cool. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a great experience. Thank you for coming on. It was great having you. and Definitely want to have you back. Awesome. Sounds good. Adios. Peace. All right. Perfect.